Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2, only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us, all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots, shots, shots! This Friday. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2, rated R, streaming only on Hulu, Friday. All right, we're back on the death lineup. We haven't been back since game two. So games three and four, the Warriors win, and now we're back. I don't know if that's bad luck or not, because without us, they did fairly well. But they were also at home. So, Bri, uh, we were at Chase, though we did not go in the stadium because tickets were still $450 after the game had started. But we were there to support. We're not in this picture in my background here, but it was sort of like that um, to watch the Warriors and Kings. How did they uh, how, get to have chairs? I know. We, we didn't get to have any chairs whatsoever to stand up the whole time. Um, but what was your takeaway? Actually, not even your takeaway, but how are you feeling after 2-2? Because you even mentioned this after the game was over. This is what they do all year long is they lose on the road and they win at home and they make you feel like they figured it out. And then they go back on the road and they lose basketball games again. They make you feel stupid, honestly, because here I am after game two overreacting as I've done before on this podcast. But I'm like, man, like, is this it? (laughs) (laughs) That's how I felt in the regular season when they go on these losing streaks on the road. It's like, oh, you can't beat Orlando. You can't beat Detroit and you can't beat Charlotte on the road. Like, is this it? And then they go home and they win against all these good teams. It's kind of been the theme all season. It's the thing we ring up every single podcast. But I will say that I have overreacted a lot on this podcast. I think last year, um, I can't help it. But last year during the finals, I think they were down 2-1. And Draymond had not yet had a good game. And I was like, like, what's this guy's future on this team? I don't know. <laughs> and then he played. He, he was like one of the main reasons why we ended up winning that whole thing. So um, 
kind of how I felt with this one go down 2-0 like is this over and then we go to now it's 2-2 we're going back to sack and now I'm like oh my god uh are we gonna win the finals well I feel like we kind of uh did we write Clay Thompson's ticket out of town after game two I kind of feel like we were just yeah like, ah, we were we were Clay you might not you might not be the player that you once were and we were just like oh, yeah, I don't know if he can play this series and then get game three he didn't shoot uh no which was uh was it game three one of the games he didn't shoot very well but he played pretty good defense and then game four he was you know he made a couple of of turnovers but ultimately he was you know he's really solid so we maybe we were more killing his his defense we were more killing his defense and honestly i don't even think that was the wrong approach like that first game when, when fox just got him good like that was like oh man and we said that um, but yeah, no, uh, I think even plus minus have been saying that like he's been staying front of, in front of guys, which isn't something I've been totally keeping an eye on because I have this just like from games one and two. I'm like, oh, he's just going to get cooked. Yeah. But I guess he must have, you know, turned it around. And if plus minus is saying it, then I'm sure he's playing well. So I think we're just jinxing these guys in a good way. So we're not going to give out any any butt cheeks awards here today because we're not actually recapping the game. But game four, game three was they, they were ahead pretty much the whole way, and they were very comfortable in that game. Game four was a little different in that they withstood Sacramento's barrage, and, and they made a run in the second quarter to, to get it closer. And then in quarter in third quarter, they actually played really well. And I wrote a tweet. It was something like, the Warriors were up seven, and within three minutes, they gave up the lead. And then 27 seconds later, they were up by four again. Like, that was kind of the story of the game, was just the runs and the runs and the runs. Um, but there were some moments for uh, both teams where clutch play wasn't really happening, especially for uh, Steve Kerr, who called, uh, who wanted a review on a play that Draymond, with his naked eye, said, no, 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 we're good, we're good. And then he still went for it. So they... Ran out of timeouts near there at the end. And I guess Steph didn't know. And if the Warriors lose that game, that's kind of like a Chris Webber moment for Steph. And I wonder if he even thought about it that way. Chris Webber's moment is, is a little different in that it was in the NCAA uh, championship game. And Chris never went back to a championship in the NBA. So he didn't really get to redeem himself in the NBA. So just, just followed him for his entire career. Steph already has four titles. But it would be a big time error, especially for the Steph naysayers, right? You know, if last year was all about legacy, and he was to call that timeout, and they lose the game, and they go down three one and lose this series, that would have been a pretty big black eye for his year this year. I think. I feel like it's a miss that Chris Webber wasn't on the call that game. That would have been great. Um, so bad for C Webber. That, that would be the butt cheek moment. That would be the butt cheek award right there. Yeah, it still should be that even though they won the game. Because well, I mean, Kerr and Steph on the Warriors' end, and then on the Kings' end, uh, there's a moment in the fourth where the there's King, Barnes. The Kings get a long rebound, and it bounces to Harrison. And instead of pulling the ball out and giving it to Fox, it was just crazy good in that game. He shoots a he a had three, three pointer. Butchie, with like, he had three butchick moment. In the last like 30 seconds of that game, you're yeah, that was, play you're talking about where yeah. he hucks up a three with time left in the shot clock. Yeah. Obviously, the game winner that he missed, and he tried to test Draymond at the rim, I think, 
or Looney or Draymond or one of the two. And it was just like he was just having butt cheek moment after butt cheek moment. And we were just sitting there like we've seen this before. And that's, and that's what, what Draymond said to Steph, Draymond said, yeah. which was which was uh, I'm sure for Harrison, not the greatest thing. But Draymond specifically, I'm sure that was how they sort of talked themselves into the win, knowing that they didn't play perfect basketball down the stretch is like, oh, we made the right choice to to get get De'Aaron to give up the basketball to Harrison because we 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 are way more comfortable with Harrison taking that shot. So they're up or they're tied 2-2. We go into game five and there's a, an interesting piece of news that comes out of that game, which we did not see in real time. And that is Fox hurting his finger and originally Shams said he was going to be doubtful. And I think all of us were like, mm, yeah, we'll see about that. And today he did say there's no ifs, ands, or buts. He's playing. So he has a fractured finger. He says it's really about the con- the uh, the pad on the finger and getting used to the pad. And he's going to play. He's going to give it a shot. And he's going to go for it. I-, I fully expected him to. I didn't think he was going to do anything but try and play in this game. Yeah. Um, he's been a dog all series. Uh, I, he's got like that fear factor in, in him where when he has the ball, I'm like, Oh, like, I don't feel comfortable as a Warriors fan right now with the ball in his hands. Um, but yeah, I think I was, I was listening to a podcast today and like only one player has, you know, played with this kind of injury and it was Kobe in 2010 against the Boston Celtics in the finals. Um, and he had a terrible shooting game in game seven is what, uh, Sam Amick was saying. A Ron Artest game. And so, um, I mean, De'Aaron, though, like, he could shoot threes. But it's not like his game is, you know, three ball, three ball, three ball. It it is that floater stuff that we always talk about that kind of looks like a jump shot, but he's leaning. So I'm just wondering how much that finger, you know, with Kobe, he's a three-level scorer. He's he's going every single spot on the court. He's taking a shot. So I, I am wondering how... You know, very two different players, and Kobe and De'Aaron, of course. So I'm wondering how, uh, you know, that injury might impact him. I'm sure it's not going to be fun to play with. And like we've said, you know, Draymond might, uh, you know, interlock fingers contesting a jump <laughs> shot with him. Yeah, the, if he if if I was De'Aaron, I would not stand with the basketball and hold it because people are going to be trying to slap that ball. Slap out it, his yeah. Hands. Uh, what did you think about? Uh, I know it's a different injury, but also a hand injury. How do you think Ja played? with his hand messed up. He played really well in game three. Um, are you talking about this year? Like where he just no, got just his these last two games that he's yeah, tried these last play. two games. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw game three, he scored like 20 something points in a row for his team to almost bring them back. I think they still lost by 10, but in the fourth quarter, he had like a 23 0 run, not Oh, but 23 point run to himself where it was like six threes were involved. Like he went crazy. Um, game four, definitely a little more muted in terms of, you know, not that performance, of course, but, you know, a couple, a couple charges LeBron took that I think should have been blocks that are, have him flying in the air. Look like he's about to break the hand again or whatever the hell is about to happen. The slide under for LeBron. That's such a, I hate that call. Um, I, yeah, but, um, yeah, a different injuries, I guess, but yeah, jaw had a surprisingly good game three for what I thought was going to kick him out for the rest of the series. I think that, you know, the thing with Fox is, you know, in the playoffs, you don't really look towards tomorrow. You only play for today. But that's an injury that could probably get worse the, the longer that he plays with it. Totally. And um, luckily for him, though, 
he's not really a re- he's not reckless like Ja is. Like Ja attacks the basket so hard that he falls really hard. And Darren doesn't really fall that hard. He doesn't really fall. Like a lot of his stuff is, you know, in the key. Um, you know, he's controlled. Not, yeah, he's very controlled. He's not, you know, trying to get foul calls and hitting the ground all that much, you know, like a Jordan Poole or or like a like a, a Morant. So I think in that sense, it's he's probably okay. But the touch on the shooting, now he's a pro. He's he's a he's a great NBA player. He's played with injuries before. But if he's five percent worse, that's really good for the Warriors. Uh, yep. But you never know what happens with other guys, right? Like the this this NBA playoffs. If there's one thing that is apparent, it's that a lot of the superstars are hurt and they're getting hurt. And I don't know if it's because they're playing harder than they did during the regular season, or you seeing some of these big guys just hit the floor so hard. Maybe it is better for some of these smaller guys because they don't have that much weight on them. They hit the floor as hard like a Giannis or like an Embiid. But yeah, the injury bug for the playoffs has just been bad. This is the only bad thing about the the playoffs is just these injuries because the games have been pretty good. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like the larger issue with that is um, the game is way more sped up these days. So like when the pace is going up, I think that just like invites more potential injury when you're just playing at such a fast level. Um, and then, yeah, another topic for another episode, but yeah, I think the games need to go down from 82 to like 65. And obviously if that's negotiated in a CBA, like if the owners are giving up 12 regular season games, which is probably netting them millions of dollars, they're probably saying, all right, well then we want the hard cap and that's going to just, I don't know what the hell is going to happen at that point. Um, but that's what I think it is, honestly, with the whole, the whole injury stuff, non, a lot of non-contact injuries these days too. Um, lots of the, yeah, the, I think the pace plays into a, a big part of that, but, um, yeah, wh- where were we next? <laughs> no, we were just talking about the injuries, uh, but we'll move on here in a second. Um, but the last thing on Fox, if Fox is 5% worse, he's probably not going to be better, but he could be, he might just be a freak and he might just be exactly what it is. If he's the same guy, the Kings, you might have to favor the Kings by, a point or two uh, on Wednesday. Yeah. But actually what I was thinking of, I, I meant to say that in my little spiel right there, but you know how like when Draymond got suspended, the Warriors took that as like a, okay, we got to try harder our guys out. Like we're going to, you know, give them business in game three. I'm wondering if like similar thing with De'Aaron where it's like, look guys, like I shouldn't be playing, but I'm going to play like, and that, you know, invites more, uh, you know, they're like, oh yeah, our, our guy's going to do it for us. So we got to, we got to really step up to play. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, that if that's uh yeah, that, I think that could I think that could be a thing because finally Keegan Murray, not good for the Warriors, but for Kings fans, like Keegan Murray was had a really good game for and you'd almost not necessarily that he'd replicate that performance because that was like an all-star level performance, it felt like from from Keegan, but um or near all-star level performance. But he's going to a home crowd who's not hostile to him. So it's like you'd think that he's just at least gonna put up not be as bad as he was in games one through three. Um so, yeah. I think I'd still live with him taking jumpers, though, over, you know, Fox. Like, it's kind of weird because you watch the game and you're like, what's the one thing that the Warriors can't stop? Well, they can't stop Fox going left and getting to his spot and throwing a floater or throwing a little mid-range. 
And then when they do try and cut it off, he's been he's shot the three ball fairly well. I I would still just be like, I'll I'll take it. Just swing it to Keegan. Like if he makes forty percent of his threes, I'm fine because Fox is making sixty five percent of his twos and he's shooting them at a higher rate. So you know it's kind of a pick your poison thing. But I'm sure for the Kings, they would rather him make shots than miss shots because then it does take some pressure off of Fox. Same with Monk. Monk is kind of up and down. Like he's had some great games. Then he's had some games where you're like, is he even playing? Like I, I think game three, I was like, is this dude even playing? Cause he was killing the warriors. Uh, but so, you know, you, you'd, you'd probably, if you're, if you're on, if you're the Kings, Mike Brown, I'm sure would like all of his guys to shoot it with more confidence. But to me, I'm just like, if, if that means Keegan's going to take, five more shots and that takes five shots away from Fox. I think I'm okay with that. Like I, you yeah. just sort of, you just sort of deal with it. Um, I mean, we're, we're confident with Harrison Barnes taking those shots, right. Even though, you know, he has had a couple of good games in the series, but still you're just not, it doesn't worry you like, like when Fox shoots it. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Mike Brown is in a, like a pretty tough dilemma right now from a coaching perspective, because, that Kings lineup, that starting lineup, I think allotted the most minutes played together for that regular season with like the best net rating maybe as a, as a five-man lineup because there was never really any King that was hurt for that long. Like, you know, I, I don't, I can't think of a Keegan Murray, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes injury, and I could think of a couple games that De'Aaron Fox sat out, a couple games that Sabonis sat out. So they just played all these minutes together. They probably have the highest minute total as a five-man group in the NBA obviously had such a successful season at the three seed, but it's those starters that are killing them right now. It's it's Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray up until game four. Keegan Murray hadn't done anything. Kevin Herter still hasn't done anything. Harrison Barnes is not who he was in the regular season right now. So it's like, I think they need to make a starting lineup adjustment. But at the same time, it's like, I've been rocking with these guys for 82 straight games. like, yeah. And they've been so good. Pulling one of them feels like a, dis- a disservice, but... I feel like he's got to put like Davion in the starting lineup or something and just hope Kevin Herter coming off the bench gives you a little jolt. Yeah, I guess that would be the guy, right? If there is a guy who started making his shots and it would give me a little fear, it is Herter because the majority of his offense is from, you know, threes coming off of screens. And that can be an infectious thing. Like if, if they see him, if they see him making those shots, I think just, that raises the King's confidence level up because, you know, he's, he's been doing it all season and, and this, for this playoffs, he's just, he's not making them. He's not, and he's, he's been in big games for, he's not, he's not Mr. Butt cheeks. The guy who I prayed on to like, who hasn't, you know, played in big games, hasn't been in the playoffs. Like you said, it could be Keegan. You were right for three games, but I didn't think there was a chance it'd be Kevin Herter. Like he yeah. on that Hawks team round one, they beat the Knicks that one year round two, they beat the one seed Philadelphia 76ers. I just thought that, you know, he if anyone came to play, he was going to be a, among the, the four of them. I did read a stat, though, that said that that series that people keep talking about or keep mentioning as his big series, it was really like one game that he just went off and the other <laughs> games were pretty pedestrian. So, I mean, I, I don't know if that's true. I didn't look deeply and I didn't go to basketball reference and, and look mm-hmm. at the things. But that's what that's what someone said on Twitter. Um yeah, I mean the herder the herder piece is, is is huge for them. I think even more so than than Keegan because Keegan is a rookie and he's going to be 
uh, just the he's never been in those games before, so it's a little yeah. bit hard to do that as a rookie. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Now, what about from the Warriors' end? Were you happy with the way that Jordan Poole played? He still got a little bit of the nagging ankle thing, but I feel like uh, game four was maybe the the Jordan Poole that we sort of were bargaining that for that was going to be that guy. You know, Steve called him the, whatever he called him, the foundation or the pillar or whatever he called him. Foundational six or something. Yeah, whatever it was. I mean, I mean, we were giving these guys nicknames last year for the Fast Five and all this stuff, and that was Jordan Poole, part of that. What what have you thought about his play since coming back from the ankle thing? I I mean, I, I was kind of very heavy on it on game two when it felt like the whole world was against Jordan Poole, that KOC is out here calling him one of the worst players in the league. Like, I was saying, like, dude, he's hurt. He is injured. I've never seen him play as bad as he did in game two in my entire life. There's no way that guy's healthy. A um, couple days go by, you get game three, he had like an okay game three and then game four, pretty, pretty solid game from Jordan up until he throws that stupid turnover to Malik Monk. Malik Monk just jumped out of the sky to grab that one too. That was such an athletic play by Malik. That was, no, that was another one for the, the butt cheek register. Oh yeah. Was, was oh yeah. That, was that cause so Davion Mitchell goes into the front row and he gets tangled. Like he doesn't like get, he doesn't like he doesn't stab. bounce up. Yeah, he's he's like fallen into the thing. And so it's a five on four. And Jordan didn't realize that one. And then when he did realize it, he frantically tried to make the, the play. And it was yep. just Malik was just reading his eyes the whole time. Yeah. And so um, then then he sulks and he doesn't get back on defense. And Davion is just waiting on the other yeah. side for an easy bucket. So. They need a good Jordan Poole game for game five, though. Like, this is a big game. This is a big pretty game. big game. I'm still confident that if the Warriors lose this thing, they could win in seven. But I think if the Warriors win this thing, it's done in six. I can't, you can't tell me that the Sacramento Kings are going to win in chase center. Although, yeah. you know, like I was pretty hyped. Like I, I feel like I was pretty, um, you know, feeling good about, about where the Warriors chances stood after game four. But then again, they only won by one. They won because Harrison Barnes missed the shot. You know, same could be said about game one. The Kings won because Andrew Wiggins missed the shot. Although that yeah. shot would have tied the game, I think, but yeah. 
you know, that they there's there's been a lot of games where you like you feel like you can say like, okay. I said this in the previous podcast too, but like if Andrew Wiggins is 80% of himself, like the Warriors win game one, you could say that you could probably, you could probably confidently say that where uh game two, you know, we've mentioned that the Warriors, um, uh, if Draymond Green doesn't get ejected, like the momentum was in their favor. They could have went and, and messed around and won game two as well. Game mm-hmm. three, the Warriors kill them. Game four, you could say probably for the Kings side that the Kings, you know, a couple things changed. The Kings, the Kings probably lost that game more than the Warriors won it. I don't care how you spin that one. I think both teams made idiotic plays down the stretch. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that, you know, I, I, I was a little more happy feelings um, based on the record, based on like, okay, we just won two straight. Now we're going back to sack. But when, when you think about it, it's like, okay, we only won that game by one point. So, well, how do you think Steph and Draymond think about that? Uh, that's a good question. I I think I think they feel the momentum, and if there is a if there is a switch to show us and to show the media and to show all your opponents, like you guys should be terrified of playing the Warriors in round two. It's if you go and win game five, mm-hmm. like we have flipped the switch, like it's here. But yeah, uh, would you be surprised if they lost game five? I wouldn't. I I mean, you know, nothing is surprising about this team. Finally. They are, there's no excuses, right? They have all of their guys. Andrew Wiggins, we thought maybe he was going to be slow. He's been great. He's been better than he was in the, then, you know, he, he didn't play. What did he play? Like 40 games or whatever it was. Um, and you know, in half of those games, we were thinking like, oh, this dude's going to make the all-star team. But then he got hurt and he fell off a little bit. And he didn't play that well. And then the game that he last game that he played, he kind of got back into what we thought he was going to be 30 points. And then he's been more that guy, maybe not as much as the scoring, but he's, he's looked more like that guy in these, in these four games. So I think that's a positive for, uh, for the Warriors. He just looks like he just looks like he's playoff wigs from last year. That's a good point. I think that for the Warriors, like Wiggins has started to gel. Like it kind of felt like a seamless transition back for him. Maybe not entirely seamless, but maybe by this point, it does feel a little more like everything's kind of back to normal. And if, if I go back to the lineup totals, um, you know, I, I said in the last podcast, I thought that in game three, they would start Steph, Clay, GP2, Wiggins, and Draymond because that was their best lineup up until that point. They had played 16 minutes together. They were a plus six. It was their only like plus lineup for the entire up and up for the first two games. We did that podcast before Draymond gets suspended. Draymond gets suspended. They pulled Draymond. Um, Looney starts. JP starts. And then you birth the new best lineup for the Warriors, which is Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, Jordan Poole, They've played 32 minutes together and they're a plus 21. All the three Warriors best lineups, that one I just said, plus 21 with uh, Jordan Poole instead of Draymond. Then there's a Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, the regular starting lineup. They have played 27 minutes together, plus 13. And then the one where it's GP2 instead of Looney, 16 minutes, plus six. The top three Warriors, the top four Warriors lineups in terms of filtered by minutes, so the most minutes to the least, the, the first four lineups are in the plus, which I think is really good for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Where if you go to the Kings side, 
their first, their most two played lineups, that starting lineup that they've rolled with all season have played 44 minutes together. Whereas the Warriors top lineup has only played 32 minutes together and they're a minus eight. Wow. And then you take out, um, then it's, then you do Harrison Barnes, Sabonis, Fox, Malik Monk, and Davion Mitchell. Second most played lineup, 21 minutes minus five. Wow. What their is their plus? Alex, so their, their plus lineups are all Alex Len lineups. You're all saying. Alex Len and Trey Lyles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know what the, you know what those lineups are, though. It's the non-Steph minutes. Non-Steph minutes. Yeah, it's it's, it's um, crazy how valuable he is on the court. <laughs> yeah. It's like ridiculous. Another, yeah, I mean, the Kings. I, I know there was a stat. Someone did the someone did the deep dive because it felt like the Suns bench players weren't like scoring at all. It felt like it was all just KD, Devin Booker, Aiton, and CP because they were taking the majority of the shots. So someone went in and counted up all the bench totals for each team up until like game two or three, I want to say, um, their bench totals. And the Kings were like top three. The Suns were the worst by far along with Memphis. And it's like the Kings bench is like a big reason why they're even in this series right now. Like Herter and... and uh Keegan were killing them <laughs> the entire series. That's why I felt like a lineup change, you know, needs to happen. It's because their bench is, I mean, maybe that looking at it from a coaching perspective, it's like, well, I don't want to mess with the bench unit too much because they're doing well, but man, it's your starters. It's that lineup that you're playing the most. That's not been the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Those, those numbers are interesting. You know, the, maybe the, the thing that signing or trade, sign and trade, however they got KD. The thing that that changed for the Warriors was they didn't lose the non-Steph minutes anymore. You know, signing KD, and then they were able to keep KD in when Steph was out, and then when KD was out, Steph was in. They, I, 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 I wonder how many minus lineups they even had because, mm. the, you know, they, they didn't lose any scoring. It was, And it probably was a little helpful that, you didn't have both of those guys on, you know, it was just one of them. And, and so the one, one of them could cook and have to worry, but if yeah. there was a minus lineup, I'd bet it was like a KD clay lineup. <laughs> Cause clay was chucking. Clay was chucking. Uh, all right. So do you have a prediction for these next two games or actually let's just talk about game five. Do you have a prediction for game five? Do the Warriors win or lose? I'm going to side with the Warriors winning because my initial prediction was Warriors in six. And I think it's shocking to me based off of, you know, obviously a little overreaction after game two, but it's crazy how that's even in play. Um, and the guy who commented on, on the last podcast too, where he was like, I think the Warriors will win the next four straight. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's a little, that's a little lofty. I'm with you now. I'm yeah. with you. That was I'm big Leo, man. That was big. Yeah, Leo. I'm for it. So I think after Sunday, my initial thought was, I think they figured it out. If you take away those crappy last minute or whatever it was, that kind of made me think that, you know, it, it kind of made me doubt it a little bit. But if I take away those minutes, I think, okay, there were moments where I thought that they sort of figured out situations here, especially the way that they handled Fox in, in the last defensive a situation that was that was that reminded me you remember that game where uh i think it was clay and steph actually where they bottled up james harden 
and James Harden had the last minute shot. And I think the they very got last steal. The, to end yeah. the series. Yeah. They got like a steal or something. Yeah. That's yeah. what that deep with, with Draymond and Steph together. That's what that reminded me of. of mm. how, like you want Fox to take that shot 100% if you're a Kings fan and they just didn't let him. He was like, what? Like, how do I even attack this? And so I kind of think maybe they saw something there that they could use. You know, you can't use it every single time because uh, it's just, you know, they're going to see it, right? But maybe in certain possessions, you you use Draymond as that as that guy who who comes with the trap. And, he's you know, Draymond's long and big, and he's not easy to throw around. So that made me think of, of that. And so I, I think it's next two. I think they win the next two, and they go on to play the Lakers, which... I was kind of thinking Lakers or Grizzlies. And the thing that I keep circling back to is home court advantage, home court advantage. That's crazy. Imagine the six seed warriors can get home court advantage in a second round series going. Don't want to jump ahead of myself, but just even the thought of a six seed getting home court advantage in the second round is beyond me. Yeah, no, that I think that's the way that you have to think about this now. And that's probably the first that if that happens, I've got to assume that's the only time that's ever happened in NBA history where a six seed, a seven seed upset in the same conference and then the opposite conference, an eight seed could potentially upset. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It is. That crazy. is crazy. Uh, all right. So I'm calling next two. So at least next one, we're both calling victory. It is a, it, it is a scary prediction just knowing what we know about this team and how many times totally. we tried to call that. So I just want to point that out. Totally. All right, last thing before we get out of here that I want to talk about. All of a sudden, this became a topic of conversation. We've been talking about this. Draymond the video resurfaced. Draymond Green uh, mentioned Harrison Barnes. And so there was a, when did Draymond do this podcast where this soundbite I can't from? remember when he had Lillard on. Cause that's where the podcast it was on. Yeah. I've got to imagine. I feel like I've known this though. So like that had to be a while ago. Yeah. So Draymond oh. said in that podcast, Harrison Barnes still don't like me for KD coming. He took it very personal personally because of the story of me crying to KD in the car he invited everyone to his wedding except me. And Richard Jefferson even said that he got invited to the wedding. <laughs> so, okay. That's why, intentional. Why does this circle? Why, why does this? And look, hey, man, what? It's, it's very possible that Draymond was like a mean guy to Harrison, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, that's the part of the story we don't know. Maybe he pushed Harrison, and Harrison's like, I'm the number one, I'm the first round draft pick. You're the number two draft pick. Yeah. But, you know, like, there's feelings and that's his wedding. Maybe his wife doesn't like Draymond. You, you know, that's that's kind of the thing, right? But I guess the reason why this thing circles back is because of the quote where Draymond and you know told Steph, you know, we've seen this before. So there's something very personal between Harrison and Draymond. And I guess the my question is: do you think this stuff really matters? Like, does Draymond think of this moment and is like, yeah. Harrison didn't invite me to his wedding because Draymond got married too, right? <laughs> Did Harrison get invited to Draymond's wedding? I'm guessing not. Uh, so, so like, you know, he, he makes it about the KD thing, which it probably, I mean, I don't know if it's true or not. It could be something, you know, from even before that, that Draymond's not even thinking about, but do you think like Draymond uses this for motivation to drive him? Like, cause he's creating stuff out of thin air essentially sometimes, right. To yeah. fire himself up about, how to play harder. Can I play harder than I currently play? Like, do you, do you think he really feels this way or is it just like made up stuff? 
I think the story's real. I don't think that's what's motivating him this series. I feel like it's more so the whole ejection thing is probably the number. It's probably number one, I'd assume. Um, yeah. I, there was also a thing where Harrison Barnes turned down like a contract extension when he was eligible, and yeah. Draymond didn't like that or something yeah. like that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think this is this would be this would be a really weird way to uh, like just completely amp yourself for an entire series against this individual because he didn't invite you to his wedding that you also didn't invite him to. But maybe it's it's kind of a thing where he uses it as a personal diss and Harrison kind of doesn't like Harrison. It doesn't matter to Harrison. Maybe like, he's like, ah, this Draymond's just doing whatever, but to Draymond, he sees that as like, yeah, like this is why you miss these shots. Right. Cause you don't take this stuff personally. Like I'm in your face telling you how I feel about you and you, it's not getting you amped up. So that's why you're weak. Like, I wonder if he uses it in that way. Um, I feel like just, Draymond doesn't totally use like no offense to Harrison. Um, I think I'd actually like if Harrison was on the Warriors right now, but yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Draymond doesn't use like players um, to motivate him who are worse than him. Like, I feel like he usually aims higher than that. And the only time he's aimed lower that I can remember in recent his memory is Dylan Brooks and Brooks was like, you know, saying, you know, calling him out at any time he got the chance. So I, there was reason for Draymond to like make a whole spiel out of that one. But this one, I don't know. This one's like Harrison's objectively worse than Draymond Green. So I, I just, I don't know. And Harrison's like a to himself guy. He's not yeah. like, that's the, that, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it. Supposedly just like a super nice guy as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's so funny how, how the stuff Did you see that? Well, you saw the quotes that Amick got from Harrison, right? No. Did you, uh, yeah, Sam Amick sat down with HB and, and talked about uh, stuff. And I think, I think Sam just wanted to get a quote out of him for the Draymond thing. It was like after game one, I think that story came out. And I'm not, I mean, Harrison didn't seem to, you know, say anything mean about Draymond. It, it was more so like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Harrison just said nothing. <laughs> Like he, was, he just well, he just said like yeah, just like maybe one day you know me and Draymond and and you Sam Amick can be on a podcast and yeah, we'll talk yeah. it out. Like yeah. that was it. I was like that was, that was there's weird. no way this is what's driving Draymond. Just like he, this guy doesn't care. HB wants the magic and Isaiah on NBA TV where they're crying with each other, uh, and Draymond's like, nah, bro, you come on my podcast and we'll hash it out. No Sam Amick. Um. <laughs> Did you see the 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 Shams reporting piece in the small interview that he did with Draymond? Supposedly, there was a moment in the locker room in January where he finally was, I guess, not afraid to yell at Jordan Poole. And they thought that that was like finally Draymond being Draymond. And he mentioned that. He mentioned having to earn his voice back. And and still, you know, when Draymond talks about the situation, he goes, you you know, he'll he'll say something like, you know, the situation, or you you know what we're talking about. He doesn't like own up to it, and it's really bothered me this time. But maybe he maybe he, that's something that has to happen in the off season for him, you know, to talk about it in that way. He doesn't say, yeah, you know, when I mis- you know, when I made a big mistake and I did something that I should have never done. Like he doesn't say it like that. He goes you know, the situation that we're talking about. And so he kind of distances himself from it. 
Mm-hmm. And it's really weird to me, like why he does that. Because if you want to take, if you want that leadership role, that voice that you're talking about, you own it, right? And in what what is the new media all about? You stand, stand on, on it. it, like he keeps saying, you stand on. It. And so I just don't. I find it so weird that he doesn't take his own advice there and just own that moment. So that it can go away. Now, maybe it never goes away. Oh, it's because I think he thinks, I think he still thinks that like his reaction wasn't like that bad. I feel like I've heard him not necessarily double down, but like kind of have that mentality where like, if only you heard what he said to me that prompted (laughs) that. Like, I don't think he completely is apologetic about his reaction. I think he's more so apologetic that it leaked and Jordan Poole, like, you know, people looked at him differently after seeing him get knocked out. I wonder, and we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but, you know, he's got this player option. And if there's any, if there's any situation with the Warriors where he doesn't get what he wants or they're not being responsive or it doesn't look like the team is, you know, coming to try and come to this agreement with him or whatever. I wonder if there's going to be more information that comes out about that, right? Because you see this a lot now. I, I would hope that the Warriors organization is classy enough. But let's say there's a there's a world where Draymond doesn't come back next year. Does all of a sudden Jordan Poole's side, management side, information leak, and all of a sudden Draymond is this bad guy when – Basically, what they did, it seems to me, they kind of catered to him in this moment and tried to make it seem like it wasn't that big of a deal. I feel like that potentially happens depending on how the exit goes. Yeah. Like, I think if the Warriors drop uh, two in a row to the Kings here and Draymond decides to leave, I don't think that would happen. But I think if, say, the Warriors went on to the Western Conference Finals or the Finals... And Draymond saying, I'm going to opt out and you guys better give me like what I want because of how essential I am to this team. We just won another championship. And I was the second reason why that happened. And they still don't give him that money. And then he just decides to leave out of like spite. I think then that could, that would be like, I think it depends on how he, how he leaves. If that information would come out and that's pretty classless if it does come out regardless. Yeah, that's, it's, it's going to be a weird thing for sure. All right, we're we're going to keep this short because I believe we're going to come back Wednesday night after game five. Uh, probably not Friday, but uh, there's also a game seven Sunday if that happens. Uh, and if and if somehow the series ends on Friday, uh, maybe we'll try and record something earlier in the week uh, next week. But so at least we'll be back Wednesday night possible Sunday, but I know you, you probably have some other podcasts to record too. So we'll play that by ear, but at least Wednesday night, we'll have a recap, a live recap of game five very soon after the game ends. So we'll cut this one here just under 40 minutes, but uh, yeah. So, Oh, really quick. I say, before we sign out here, do you think, what do you think the starting lineup is for the Warriors in game five? Draymond and Looney. Okay. So they're going, they're going back. I I think so. Because, um, I mean, there, there may be quick, you know, quick substitutions, mm-hmm. but I think setting the tone defensively is going to be a big deal on, especially uh, on the road on Wednesday. And, you know, okay. m- m- maybe the way to do that is to not be sloppy on offense, but I don't, I don't know if they can 
play it that way or if they think about it that way i think they'll they think about it as how do we how do we make a statement with fox and this finger and how do we keep herder and murray from you know getting like that that's the way that i think that they'll start it mostly you know if you think about it if you're herder or murray and you see jordan Poole out there you're probably kind of excited right because you just know how poor he is uh chasing guys around so i would hope that they would go they would stay with their starting lineup and then focus on that and then sort of figure out the yeah that's a good point after that i would almost yeah i I think i'd start with the starting lineup first sub i think for me would be gp2 for looney and then you get to roll out that lineup that i was saying in game two is really good um but i think more than than for the kings do you think it stays the same they roll with what they've been rolling with all year I think so because because if you don't, then you probably lose Herder even more than you've lost him. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think I think something needs to happen in the starting lineup. Like if 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 they roll out the same lineup and there still seems to be shooting woes in the first quarter, I think it's over. Well, um, you you could do that, and you would line up Mitchell's minutes with Steph, right? Yeah, you could. Yeah, Mitchell's been pretty solid on Steph too. Yeah, just yeah, in terms of like matchup numbers. Um, He's been okay. As good as you can be for someone on the Kings. All right. All right. We will be back tomorrow night after Warriors Kings game five for Brian Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Hey, race fans. Justin Bell here, former racing champion and host of the new F1 podcast, Drive to Win, presented by Win Las Vegas. Join me on the show each week as you'll be swept behind the scenes for an immersive look at the culture, technology, drama, and glamour of Formula One. There's something for everyone, whether you're new to the sport or a lifelong F1 fan. So join us each week as we cover every twist and turn of the F1 season on the Drive to Win podcast. That's Win, spelled W-Y-N-N, presented by Win Las Vegas. Available now on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.